In the twenty-first chapter of Third Nephi, a large multitude of Nephites had gathered to see Jesus and to listen to his teachings. Jesus talked about the future, about a time when God would fulfill the covenant he had made with Abraham and with ancient Israel. Jesus then presented doctrine that surely startled the Nephites as they sat and listened. This is Between the Lines of the Book of Mormon, and we're your hosts. I'm Jay Harris. And I'm Andrew Harris. And we are excited to talk about a very special topic today. I'm sure the Nephites thought the message was just for them. But additionally, it was as if Jesus looked down through the generations of time and spoke directly to us. Yeah. Jesus said, I give unto you a sign that ye may know the time when these things shall be about to take place. A sign? What was the sign? Jesus explained that it would be that the Gentiles would be established on the American continent. They would be set up as a free people by the power of our Heavenly Father. In fact, if the Gentiles would repent and not harden their hearts and learn the truth of Christ's doctrine, they would be numbered among the children of the house of Israel. This was a startling new concept to the Nephites. Gentiles becoming Israelites? How is that possible? Who are these Gentiles anyway? By simply repenting and getting baptized, how could they suddenly become part of Jehovah's covenant people? Yeah, it's not about being born into it. It's about making a covenant with Christ. And once we do that, we can all become the house of Israel. This is what Christ was saying to them. In verse 22, he taught, If they will repent and hearken unto my words and harden not their hearts, I will establish my church among them, and they shall be numbered among this the remnant of Jacob. So the gospel would be restored to the Gentiles first, but as they were baptized, they would no longer be Gentiles, but would become children of Israel. It would be these people who would deliver the gospel and the Book of Mormon to the seed of the Nephites. And I'm not sure if all of the things that he talks about in this chapter have all been fulfilled yet, but it seems like a lot of this in our day has already happened. It's in the past, uh, or it's currently happening. That's right. But then he says, they shall assist my people, and they shall build a city, and it will be called the New Jerusalem. That's in verse 23. Yeah. And then he talks about, after that is accomplished, then the gospel would be taken to the lost tribes of Israel, and they would be gathered in. So those things are yet to come. They're happening. They are happening. We're beginning to see the restoration of the lost tribes, and that's exciting to see. Yeah. Then Christ begins to quote from the prophet Isaiah. He says, you need to study Isaiah. Yeah. And then he paused and he thought further, and he said, in fact, a commandment I give you, <laughs> that you study these words of Isaiah, because they are really important. Yeah, Isaiah is amazing because Isaiah saw things that would happen, and he lived 600 years before Christ. And so he saw things that were going to happen not only in Christ's time, but in the latter days too, in our time. So he saw like the whole picture, basically, and prophesied about it all. And we have those writings. It's in poetic words that are so beautiful, and yet sometimes difficult to understand. Yeah. Let's go through chapter 22, the part of Isaiah that Jesus quoted. 
lots of symbols in here. So we have to kind of talk about what these symbols mean. But it's also difficult because all of this is kind of in Old English, so <laughs> we might have to bring it a little bit into more modern terms. Let's go through chapter 22 then. How does it start out? It starts out, And then shall that which is written come to pass. Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear. Break forth into singing, and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Okay, let's take a look at that. The parents are barren. Why would they be singing, and why would they be shouting for joy? Yeah, they're celebrating, not because they're barren. That's not why they're celebrating. They're celebrating because they're going to be accepted into this family. The Gentiles are those who are barren, who have not had children who have been accepted into this family. And all of a sudden, the children are being accepted. In fact, accepted in such numbers that the children of the desolate are more numerous than the children of the married wife. I would say it's not even close. You know, there's way more children of the desolate than the children of Israel. And so, for so long, it was just Israel. Like, when Christ came, he brought the gospel to the children of Israel. And when the Gentiles wanted to have blessings, to have miracles or whatever, Christ told them, I'm here to teach the house of Israel. And the missionaries, when they went out, they said, we're only going to go out to Israel at first. Today, as we send out missionaries throughout the world, who is acceptable to receive his gospel now? I don't think there's a person that's not. No, everyone throughout the world is acceptable to God and the gospel can go to them. And if these individuals who are taking the gospel choose to accept it, they become part of Israel. They become part of the covenant people. Isn't that a wonderful blessing? Now, let's continue with the prophecy of Isaiah. He says, Enlarge the place of thy tent. Let them stretch forth the curtain of thy habitations. Spare not. Lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. The gospel now is being restored, and as it goes out to all the world, it's open to everyone. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. So when he's talking about breaking forth on the right and the left, he's basically describing how the gospel's just going to be bursting all over the planet, you know, all over the globe. There's places that are going to be desolate, not from people. It's not that they're desolate of life, but the children of Israel aren't found there. That's right. And they're going to be suddenly going from desolate to inhabited. Every conference we hear about new temples being dedicated all over the world. That's a perfect example of these cities going from uninhabited to now being inhabited with the house of Israel. I like verse 4 where it says, Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed. You can kind of understand how it was kind of a shameful thing you you look at the house of Israel and you'd be like, oh, they're God's chosen people and I'm not that. Well, we don't have to feel that shame because we are that. We're all part of that people now. That's right. And then he says, for the Lord of hosts is his name, the Holy One of Israel. That's what he was always known as, the Holy One of Israel. Yeah, he was just the Holy One of Israel. But now it says, the God of the whole earth shalt thou be called. That's wonderful. <laughs> That's so neat. The God of everyone, not just Israel. Not just Israel. He is the God of the whole earth. And then he says, For a small moment I have forsaken thee, but with great mercies I will gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. So he's saying to the house of Israel now, You know, there was an apostasy. There was a time when I turned my face from this earth. But now, as I promised, 
is a time that I will accept thee again, and with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on thee, O house of Israel. I always think it's kind of funny when God is speaking and he says things like this, because he says it's a small moment, and we look at it and we're like, that was a couple hundred years, or a thousand years. That was a small moment? But... I think in the eternity, we'll understand that it really is a small moment and that, small. you know, we'll have to do work in the temples to make up for all those people who didn't get the gospel in that time period. It'll be a small moment in the eternities. Isaiah now compares the covenant that God has made with the house of Israel with the covenant that he had made with Noah. Yeah. which How is that similar? Just as Jehovah promised Noah that the earth would never be completely flooded again, Jehovah is now promising the house of Israel, which is composed of former Gentiles and Israelites by birth, that his kindness will never depart from them, and his peace will never again be removed. That is a beautiful blessing. It talks about all these stones of colors and foundations. What do you think that symbolizes? Because I think it's saying like precious parts of the gospel that make it joyous and happy and beautiful and and it just makes your life good. And there's so many blessings that are going to be coming along with being part of my kingdom now. And you're going to get to experience all of those things. These are all symbolic of the foundation on which we're built, which is the beautiful aspects of the gospel to receive. It's so true. I mean, the gospel, the church brings so much happiness into our lives these next verses bring such peace to my soul and such comfort to my mind he says all thy children shall be taught of the lord and great shall be the peace of thy children in righteousness shall thou be established and thou shalt be far from oppression for thou shalt not fear i hate to admit that i fear the last days and yet he's saying don't be afraid you don't need to fear terror shall be far from thee Yeah, he's telling us we're going to be okay. We're going to be protected. And there probably will come a time when things are scary, and even right now it's a little scary. Well, and Isaiah doesn't miss that point. He clearly states, Behold, they shall gather together against thee. In other words, Satan and his evil followers will try with all the power they possess to destroy God's work. But then Isaiah reassures us that, quote, Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sakes. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Reading between the lines, God will protect his servants in the last days. What he's saying is, I'm going to protect you, I'm going to watch over you, and in in the end, there won't be anything that can destroy you. This earth is under the command and control of our Heavenly Father. There is no weapon that we need to be afraid of because he's in charge. This scripture is a beautiful scripture because it promises the Gentiles that they can be part of the house of Israel and then God will protect us. And we don't need to fear the last days because we'll be comforted and blessed and protected if we continue to obey the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate your support. Next week, we're going to talk about the author of the Book of Mormon, the outstanding leader named Mormon. Please join us. Until then, enjoy your reading.